How y'all doing? How's your mom and them? How's your mom and them? Got to get all my goodies together. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Thank you. I don't know why I love doing that. I'll, if I walk into the grocery store, so I don't care what time of day or night it is. If I see somebody, I'll tell them good morning. It could be 8 o'clock at night. You tell somebody good morning. They go, good morning. And then they'll be like, oh, got me. Praise God. I want to start. I want to start with, I love you. Well, there's a reason I'm starting there. Because I also want to start with, God said, you have to love me. Amen. So no matter what we go through tonight, no matter the feelings and emotions that get welled up inside, the anger. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not that bad. Praise Jesus. Exodus 33, 15 through 16. Let's read that first. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Moses said, God, I'll go wherever you want me to. I'll do anything that you want. He said, but if you're not going with me, don't send me. I'll go anywhere that you want as long as you're going with me. He says, because there needs to be something. If we're your people, God, there needs to be something that distinguishes us from the rest of the world. He said, isn't that your presence with us? Isn't the fact that you're there going to be what sets us apart from everybody else? So he said, if you're not going, we're going to be just like everybody else. What's the point? We don't want to go. If you're not with us, don't send us. Now, we all know. Let me catch my breath because, you know, I start off nervous. We all know that every born-again believer has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. Do you believe that? you agree with that? Amen. Now, in the Old Testament times, before Jesus went to the cross, remember Jesus said, if I go to the Father, he'll send the Comforter. The Comforter is the Holy Spirit. If Christ had not died, been buried, and resurrected, then you and I wouldn't have the Holy Spirit. It would be wonderful that he was still walking the earth, but we would have to actually get playing fair to wherever he was so that we could be with him. But as it is, because he went to the right hand of the Father, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Prior to that... We know that the Holy Spirit was active all throughout the Old Testament times, all throughout history. We know that the Holy Spirit would come upon the prophets, would use them, would speak to them. We know that, that God, uh, God the Holy Spirit was able to show up and show out, as it were. But He did that not from within, but from without. Not like with us, He works from within. In the Old Testament times, he worked from without. But there were a few exceptions. I have two examples. There's many throughout the Old Testament that you could find. You could say, well, Jason, uh, what about this guy? I'm not saying that it wasn't that guy, but I have two examples. Genesis 41, 37 and 38. says, So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Joseph had showed up, and God enabled him to uh, reveal the secret of Pharaoh's dream to him and also to come up with a good idea of how to fix everything. Amen? Like Pharaoh said here, Pharaoh noticed, 
in Joseph was the Spirit of God. It wasn't just that God's Spirit came upon Joseph and gave him wisdom for the moment. Joseph was set apart from the rest of Israel. He was, there's something that distinguishes Joseph from the rest of the Israelites and the Hebrews because Joseph had in him the Spirit of God. He was a distinguished. He was a dis, the distinguished gentleman. There's another one. Exodus 31, 2 and 3. See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. Bezalel, if you recall, after God had led the Israelites, the Hebrews, out of bondage in Egypt, after he had taken them into the wilderness and he said, I've given you all this gold and silver, uh, all these fine threads and fabrics so that you can make the tabernacle, so that you can make all the articles in there, so that you can fill the tabernacle. He says, but you guys don't know how to do that stuff. He says, but Bezalel, look, Bezalel didn't have any experience that they didn't have. He knew how to make bricks, amen? But God said, I've placed my spirit in him. Now, we can excuse that away and say, so he gave him the spirit of wisdom. So he gave him the spirit of understanding and knowledge. In the English, we can misinterpret it all we want to, but if you go to the Hebrew, it says, Ruach Elohim, the spirit of God. God had placed the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was in Bezalel. Now, hold on, because the Holy Spirit has many functions now, as you know. He can utilize you to heal someone. He can utilize you to give a prophecy to someone. He can utilize you in so many different ways. But here was something specific in Bezalel. So you say, it couldn't have been the Holy Spirit in Bezalel because he was not healing people. It wasn't his task. God put the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, in Bezalel for wisdom, for understanding, and for knowledge. So what I'm, what I'm getting from this right now is that if you've never spoken in tongues, don't let that bother you. Perhaps the Spirit's not working in you like that. If you've never laid hands on somebody and healed them, don't let that bother you. Say, well, I see the Spirit working in this person, and, and I'm jealous or I can't, maybe I don't have the same Holy Spirit. Hi, buddy. Maybe I don't have the same Spirit. Maybe I'm not really saved. Maybe I don't have it. He doesn't work the same in everybody. In Bezalel, he was in wisdom and understanding and in all workmanship. Amen. Now, in others, he works for healing. In others, he works for prophecy, translation. Amen. Interpretation. Ruach Elohim. So, Bezalel and Joseph... Each individually, they were set apart. They were distinguished from the rest of, rest of Israel. But we want to point out something. Their distinguishing trait was the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay, so let's look at all of Israel as distinguished from other people. Let's go to Joshua 2. We'll read this huge long block of Scripture. And then I'll hyperventilate. And then we'll talk some about it. Praise Jesus. Amen. Okay, and she said unto the men, Here's Rahab the harlot. The spies have come, sent from Joshua. The spies have come uh, into Jericho. They meet up with Rahab the harlot. Here's what she says to them. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Excuse me. I know that the Lord has given you the land 
and that your terror has fallen upon us, that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what he did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain in us any courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you swear unto me by the Lord, since I've showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token, and that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. The people of Jericho... Here's a very intelligent woman. Here's a very wise person because she said, we have heard and we know of all these things that God's doing through y'all. We know that everything he does for you. We know, she said, the people of Jericho know that you're God's people and that God loves you. We know that your God is going to squash us like a bucket of grapes. We know that. We see something distinguished in you. We see something different about you. But here's what the smart woman does. She says, I want that. The rest of Jericho's like, bring it on. We're not scared of you or your God. Amen. This woman says, there's something different about you, and I want to be a part of it. I don't want to be a part of the world anymore. I don't want to be a part of Jericho anymore. She's, she sees in them salvation from death. Amen. I mean, isn't that what we have to see in Jesus if we're ever going to receive salvation from him? Don't we have to actually see that there's hell and I'm going to it if I don't change, if I don't get out of the state that I'm in and go with this one, if I don't see something different in him and want it? Amen? So this woman sees in the Israelite, she sees salvation from death and she wants to be a part of it. Amen? So it's not just that there's... a it's not just that she sees something different. It's she sees something different and she wants it. Amen. Let's look here. The, have you ever been different? You ever just... Uh, I know Marie has. Let's, Marie's distinguished. Let's just put it that way. I love you, sister. You're distinguished. But let's, let's look at this. Have you ever been the outcast... And, and I know you know that if you've been in Christian circles long enough, that's a good thing. Amen? But sometimes it doesn't feel like that, especially if you're young, especially if you don't understand, and you're, you're different, and you just kind of want to fit in. And so the Hebrew people, they were kind of like that because it, it turns out that they were tired of being distinguished. They didn't want to stand out anymore. And it's, it's amazing to me how they had God and he set them apart. They were totally different from everybody else. They were conquerors and more than, and God led them into this place and destroyed all of the enemies before them. And, but for some reason, they wanted to fit in. Let's look at what they told Samuel. In 1 Samuel eight nineteen and 20, they said, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us. Watch this. That we may also be like all the nations. And that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. 
they have, they have, let me read one more scriptures. I'm sorry. Let me read one more. Deuteronomy 4, 7 and 8. For what nation is there so great who hath God so near them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that hath the statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? God said, there's nobody else that I've given my law to. There's no other nation that has these rules set out. There's nobody else. I have not given an owner's manual for life to any of these other nations. But to you, I have. You got the guidebook. Amen. And so here's the thing. When they said, no, give us a king, they said, so we'll be just like all the other nations. We don't want to be different. They spit in the face of God's law. They said, we don't want your law. We want man's law to rule us. Did you hear it? And he said, so our king will judge us. Our king will go out before us. They want man's law to rule them. And they want man's provision and power instead of God's. Well, so often I think maybe we fall into that same trap. So often I think that, that sometimes something looks good and we know we're not supposed to. Right? God's law says it. You know what? I just thought about this, and I'm not going to go off on any in particular group. But I will tell you that man's law has made acceptable many things that God's law said is not. We want man's law to rule us. That's the sad reality of it. But there's penalties for disregarding God's laws and God's leadership. And we can find them extensively in Deuteronomy 28. But I'm just going to focus on a couple of them in Deuteronomy chapter 28. It's all about the curses that he'll bring on you if you disobey, if you don't follow his law. Remember that? Chapter 28. Amen. And the Lord in verse 25, And the Lord shall cause ye to be smitten, thee to be smitten before thine enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. And you shall be removed into all the kingdoms of all the earth, scattered. God says, if you throw out my law, if you throw out my rule, if you'd rather have man rule over you, and if you'd rather live like you want to instead of like the way I want you to, he said, I will just scatter you. You don't have to stay in this land of promise that I've given you. You'll be gone. All throughout scattered amongst the nations, amen. And in Deuteronomy 28, 64 and 65 says this. And the Lord shall scatter thee among the people from one end of the earth even unto the other, and there shall there excuse me. There thou shalt serve other gods, amen. Which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone. And among these nations shall thou find no ease. Neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest, but the Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart and failing of eyes and sorrow of mind. God said, you want no part of my law? You can go live among them. You can be exactly like them. Amen. God said, if you want no, nothing to distinguish you from them, you want to fit in, go fit in. He said, but while you're there, you'll have no rest. You'll have no peace of mind. Here's, some, here's a thought. 
if God has called you to something, run from it all you want to, you will have no peace of mind. If God has told you there's someone he wants you to go speak to, let's get very specific. If God has told you, I want you to go speak to this individual. I want you to tell them that they're not lost forever, that I can save them. God can speak a a specific word to you. Go tell them this. I don't know if that's God. I'm going to go on about my business. Maybe I'm nervous. Maybe I'm scared of them. Maybe maybe I I don't want to feel rejected, though it wouldn't be me that they reject but him. But maybe for whatever reason, I don't want to go and talk to him about it. I'm going to be miserable until I do what God told me to do. So he said, listen, I've called you to be my people. I've called you to stand out from the crowd. I've called you to to, uh, follow my laws, but you want to fit in. Go on and do your thing. God said, I can scatter you amongst the, the nations. You can be out there and you can be just like them, but you'll hate it. You'll absolutely hate it. If you have Jesus and you, if you, have, if you have the Holy Spirit and you've got a true salvation experience, you can live out there in the world. You can do all those things. I, I promise you, you can fight against it. And you can live a worldly life if you want to, but if you're really saved, you'll be absolutely miserable doing it. You'll have no ease. You'll find no rest. Sure, you'll fit in. It's not going to be as much fun as you think it is. Amen. Now, there were some exceptions. When the Israelites, when the the Hebrew people, when they were taken into captivity, you know, people were miserable. They didn't, whatever, they didn't like it. They didn't, but they, they fell in line. They fit in. They did what they had to do. There were some exceptions like, say, Daniel. Here's something I was thinking about. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, different guys throughout history. There was always an opportunity for God to use someone to reveal true faith. Amen? So Daniel, we'll take him as a specific example. Daniel, when he was taken to the land of Nebuchadnezzar in Assyria, and and he was there, he was told to do certain things that were against the religion of God, and Daniel said, I'm not going to do that. Daniel was not Conan the Barbarian. He didn't go in swinging a big heavy sword. He just demonstrated true faith. He was meek, and he just demonstrated a faith in God that God blessed by turning things around on the enemies and making them see who the true God was through the faith of Daniel. So while the others were miserable and out of place, but they fit in, Daniel chose to stand apart. And the spirit that worked through Daniel distinguished him from everyone else. Amen? There were other men that God used, like Samson. Samson was a bear. Samson was a scrapper. Amen? He wasn't one that would kneel down and pray every hour three times a day like Daniel did. Amen? To demonstrate his true faith. Daniel was one that when God wanted somebody to go in and just make a strong arm show, he would send him in like Samson. The spirit that worked in Samson worked differently in Samson than it did in Daniel, but it distinguished him, amen, from everyone else. So the distinguishing feature has always been the Holy Spirit. So let's look real quick. In Hosea, here's the one that started it all. In Hosea... 8 verse 8, he said, 
Israel is swallowed up. Now shall they be among the Gentiles as a vessel wherein is no pleasure. Now they've been scattered. They've been taken into captivity, these different places. They've been mixed in with the Gentile nations. And he said, now they're as a vessel wherein is no pleasure. The word for pleasure, the word pleasure there, it means something valuable. It means a valuable thing or a desirable thing. They fit in with the Gentiles. And where before Rahab could look at the Jews coming and say, they got something that I want. They have, not only can they save me from death, but they've got a God that's worth serving. Amen. They got some. But now, Hosea says, now you'll be scattered amongst the Gentiles as a vessel wherein there's no pleasure. You'll fit right in. They'll see nothing special about you. You've got nothing that they want. How is it that that Jewish person is going to be able to tell someone, my God is better than yours. My God is worthy of serving. My God is the true God. They don't see that anymore. And then they saw it in Daniel. They saw it in Joseph. They don't see it in the Hebrews anymore. They just fit right in. Nothing special about them. Isaiah 30 verse 14 says this. And he shall break it as the breaking of the potter's vessel that is broken in pieces. He shall not spare. So that there shall not be found in the bursting of it assured to take fire from the hearth or to take water withal from out of the pit. He's able to break them in such a way. He's able to scatter them in such a way. And I know I'm taking this verse out of context. If you go and you read the context of that verse, the breaking of this vessel, all of their iniquity spilled out. If you go and read that chapter, you'll see that if, they're, if all of their iniquity were held in a vessel, God's able to break it to where their iniquity would, would pour out on them and they would be engulfed and swallowed up in it. The same God can break people. And when he breaks them, it's not like they can hold a cup of God over here and a coal of God's fire over here. He said, when I broke them, they wasn't even a drop left that anybody wanted anything to do with. You couldn't, even found, you couldn't even find a residue that they were special in any way. They just fit right in. Now, you and I know they're God's people. We, look at, we support Israel. I support Israel. I pray for Israel. But the world hates them. The world doesn't see anything special about the Hebrew people. They don't see, the world just would just as soon do away with them. Amen. They don't have anything that the worldly people and the Gentile nations desire. You and I, the only reason you and I know that they have something we want is because we already have it. And we have it even more so than they do. We want them to get it. Amen. I've got just a couple more scriptures. It's, y'all are going home early tonight. Maybe. Um, nothing of value. Now, sure, they still have the pigtails and the beard. So from a fashion point of view, they, they've got something. They're distinguished in the way they look. They're distinguished in the way that they dress. But they don't really have anything special on the inside that I'm interested in. Amen? I want to tell them about my Jesus. But let's move on from there. Deuteronomy 32, 21, God said this. 
They've moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They provoke me to anger with their vanities. I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. See, he's using me to make them jealous. You see that a lot in the the after-school specials where the one girl wants this boy, but she goes with this other boy to make him jealous. Amen. Maybe if he sees me going out with this guy, he'll be jealous. Well, God's, God's plan was to use me to make Israel jealous. You know what happened? He fell in love with me. I'm not going to say I got him wrapped around my little finger because he's the one that does the wrapping. Amen. But he fell in love with me. Amen. I don't got to worry about it anymore. I've got a spot in his heart. He's not just using me. Amen. Now, he's got a plan to make them jealous, but he fell in love with me. Let's look here. In Acts 13, 46, Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should have first been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Thank God they were disobedient. Thank God, amen, they were disobedient. Thank God they wanted to be just like the world because then me, having been just like the world, I can be taken out of the world, amen? Now I can have that special relationship because they were disobedient. Let's look at a few more scriptures. I promise, I won't won't keep you. John 1, 11 and 12 says this. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them who believe on his name. That is me all day long. Amen. Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now that you've believed in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now you are sons and daughters of God. Amen. And he said, because you are God's sons and daughters, he sent his his Holy Spirit, where? To live in you. You have that thing that distinguished, for all those years, distinguished the Jewish people. You have the presence of God. You are that one that they were. It's not replacement theology. That's not what it is. It's the church age. There's going to come a time for them. Amen? But right now, it's you. Right now, it's me. I have the distinguishing feature. I'm the extinguished, I mean, distinguished gentleman. Amen? Amen. Philippians Philippians 2.15. Y'all didn't hear that, apparently. Philippians 2.15. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom ye shall shine as lights in the world. The question is, are you shining? Because you're among them... You are as a vessel amongst the Gentiles, okay? Remember that? A vessel amongst the Gentiles wherein is no pleasure. But here you are, a vessel amongst the Gentiles. You've got the Holy Spirit in you. You should be distinguished. There should be something different about you that they see. And not only that, but something different about you that they want. Right? Because if not, then you're just fitting in. If you're fitting in, then you're doing this Christianity thing wrong. Amen? 
All right, a couple more, a couple more verses. Zechariah eight twenty three. This is what, and I'm going to read this in the new. I believe it's the New Living Translation. Says this: This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. In those days, ten men from different nations and languages of the world will clutch at the sleeve of one Jew. And they'll say, please let us walk with you, for we have heard that God is with you. They'll see the Jewish people as the people of God again, and they'll say, I've got to have this. I've got to have this God that's there. I've got to be with them. I want to be one with them. Remember, when they left Egypt, they came out as Jews and a mixed multitude. There were several people in Egypt that saw something different in them and wanted to be a part of it. And God said, come on, join the ranks, let's go. God's never been one to turn anybody away. And so here at this time, it's going to come a time where they're going to see a Jewish person. They're going to say, I want some of this relationship that they have. Amen. This should be happening to us right now. It's not, like I said, it's not replacement theology. We haven't taken the place of the Jews. We're in the middle of the church age. And right now, you're distinguished because you have the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, sure enough, listen. So you got a Christian t-shirt. You got a fish on your car. It's like a Jew with pigtails and a beard. It's what's inside. Don't just be distinguished. If, if, if the extent of your Christianity is... If, I'm not saying... I'm not, I'm not putting you down if you got a fish on your car. I'm not, I love those things. They're great. I'm not putting you down if you are a Christian shirt. I love wearing... I love Jesus. I love that. But if that's the depth of your Christianity, if that's all that sets you apart, get you a set of pigtails and wear under your big black hat and strap a beard on, because you got nothing left that the people want. Amen. We need, it needs to run deeper. We need to be a vessel wherein is pleasure. Amen. We need to be a vessel wherein is pleasure. So look here. Romans eleven eleven. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. Let me, let me, I talked about this in Sunday school class. The funny thing about God, and the thing that I can't really wrap my head around, which, well, there's actually so much. There's so much that I just don't get. I, I just don't understand. And one day I'll be able to ask him all about it. But God had a plan from the very beginning. And if you study through the scriptures, yeah, if you listen to Brother John preach for any length of time, God's plan was to save everybody. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. His plan was to save everybody, but the way he was going to do it, and this is he, I don't know, he sat up there with himself. You remember when he said, let us make man in our image? God's a mystery. The, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, he's a mystery. Not they. We only have one God. And he's a mystery, amen? Three in one, the Trinity, and he sat there and he said, let us make man in our own image. So what's mysterious to me about God, another thing, is that he planned to save everybody, and the way he was going to do it was he was going to choose a people for himself. 
the Jews, the, the Hebrews, the Israelites. He chose them to be his people. And then he said, at one point, my son is going to go and give his life on the cross. And part of the plan was, if you read the scripture, don't take my word for it. Go and read your Bible. He said, I think I'll blind them so they won't see the truth about it. Huh. Why would you do that? So the Gentiles could get saved. Funny thing. Why would you, why would, why? He was, so they could provoke the Israelites to jealousy. So they could get saved. It's a weird thing. He chose the Jewish people. He blinded them so I could be saved, so that I could make them jealous, so that they could be saved. This is a tricky God we have. He's got a plan, and we're not supposed to really understand every part of it, amen? But if you don't know what I'm talking about, and really in this group, I know every one of you, and I believe that all of us know him. I believe that all of us here are a vessel wearing his pleasure. But in that off chance that you know all the right lingo, you clap your hands right on beat. In the event that you do all the right things and take all the right steps and wear all the right clothes, but you don't really know in the event that you're, that you're not saved, then you're a vessel wearing is no pleasure. And you can fix that tonight. Amen? I told you it'd be a short message. And this time I was serious, right? This time I got it right. John, we're done. For once.